Today on CityCast Las Vegas, we are pleased to have the one and only Troy Hurd, Artistic Director of the Majestic Repertory Theater, to talk about their new show, Clown Bar 2, and all things Las Vegas theater. You'll also hear producer Layla Muhammad visit a rehearsal at the end. It's Thursday, May 12th, 2022. I'm David Figler, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Let me jump right into it, Troy Heard. When we hear references to the local theater community, what does that mean? What is local theater and who is their community? Local theater is anything that's not on the strip. It is, you know, I, I guess to dive in, I came here Christmas 2009 from Atlanta, which is a city of 2 million people. And Atlanta has world-class theater. We have a major regional theater called the Alliance Theater that transfers shows off to, to Broadway. And there's from that all the way down to mom and pop organizations doing chestnuts in a church basement and everything in between. So it was a very large, exploding scene. And it's not, it wasn't exploding, it was well-established, I should say, with major museums, a major symphony, so on and so forth. And I moved to Las Vegas thinking, hey, two million people to two million people, that would definitely be a lateral move. And I came here and discovered there is a huge cruise ship in the middle of the desert. And this community had some very dedicated artists who were struggling to create their art. They were struggling to do a, this thing called First Friday. There was a company called Insurgo, and there were a couple of other branch companies here. So I thought it, it wasn't quite the lateral move I expected. What is local theater? Local theater is a bunch of pioneers who are creating, indeed, the burgeoning art scene here. So let's let's focus on on Las Vegas and let's talk a little bit about Majestic for a second. I know that you have uh, a sequel of sorts of uh, a show that I saw a couple of years back called Clown Bar and it's called Clown Bar Two. Mm -hmm. So what is Clown Bar Two and what makes it a show you wanted to do? So Clown Bar is a show I discovered by Adam Sinkowitz. He called it an immersive show. Its concept was a genre mashup of film noir and circus clowns which are the two most opposite things you could ever think of, but it's so extraordinarily gonzo, it works. The first show was about a hard-boiled detective who comes back to the old watering hole to avenge the murder of his brother by the underworld, but they're not gangsters, they're clowns, and when you get shot, you bleed confetti. So it's played very, very straight, but there's these bizarre trappings around it. And in Clown Bar 2, it's a couple of years later. The Clown Bar is in disarray. Happy, the detective who became the big boss, has gone missing. And Petunia, the hooker with a heart of gold, has called some detectives in to go deep undercover to find out what has happened to Happy. Happy's been... What is immersive theater versus what some might call traditional theater? In immersive theater, you step into the world. The world envelops you. 
And it's like, it's like instead of going to the movie theater and watching it, you're stepping through the screen into the sets, interacting with the characters. It's Tony and Tina's wedding, which was here for many, many years, was immersive theater before there was a name for it. But for Clown Bar, when you walk into the theater, you're actually going to step from the lobby into an alleyway into a seedy clown bar. And once you're in that clown bar, it surrounds you. You're seated at cabaret tables. There's a cabaret performance going on. Petunia, who's one of the holdovers from the original show, is greeting you, taking your drink orders. And then the action unfolds all around you. Also, so you can go undercover because, honestly, the beige people, which are like you and me, David, we're the boring, regular, everyday folks. We're not clowns. You no, but a- I wish I was beige. I'm so white. I'm <laughs> virtually translucent. But anyway, why do you like doing immersive theater? What What is about that experience at Majestic, your company, that appeals to it? And, and how does Clown Bar fit into that? It's something I've always loved. Growing up as a kid, I was into horror movies, so I'd go to haunted houses. You know, Disney World's the largest immersive experience there is. You know, you step into other worlds and it surrounds you and you, you know, somehow become a part of it. It's just for for our generation and generations below us, it's a lot more exciting. We're not looking for passive entertainment. We're looking for a way to be engaged. We're looking for true experiences. So every show I create, even if I do a traditional, say we're going to do Hamlet, You know, I might not have you step into Elsinore, but there is going to be a way that you're feeling a part of the show that you wouldn't if you go see it like at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Let's let's go a little bit higher on the helicopter and look at all of Las Vegas for a second. Mm. Most of us think of strip shows and local theater as very distinct silos, right? Mm -hmm. Is there actually a more complex relationship between the two? There absolutely is. I mean, we have a wonderful infrastructure here of talent, you know, of people who came here to work on the Strip, specifically for Cirque du Soleil, for Spiegel World, who have branched out and are creating shows at Majestic or designing shows at Majestic or performing at shows at Majestic. You know, this has kind of been a healthy uh, synergy for a while. I remember back in the day, you know, Jimmy Slanina was doing his stuff with, I think it was called New West Theater Company. He's the lead clown in Mystere. Uh, the gazillionaire, who is ab- the face of Absinthe, was created as a character at the Aruba Hotel. If you go to New York, you see Broadway, off-Broadway, and off-off-Broadway. When, when you come to Vegas, it's the strip and off the strip. So it's all entertainment. It's all the same. And, you know, there, there definitely is an interplay between the two. It's always a treat, though, whether it's a Majestic or some of the other um, theater companies in town or even small bars and little venues to see some of those strip performers sort of going outside of their normal show uh, to to give the people something different. And and that's always really fun. But do you, do you know, are, are these local-based performers able to sustain themselves financially without joining a, a strip show, a show on the strip? Not yet, that is something we're working on. There is a trilogy of theaters downtown. We, we've, we've kind of come together to cross-promote, to share resources, to build each other up. It's Vegas Theater Company, which used to be Cockroach Theater. They've been around for 14 years. A public fit theater company, and they're down on Maryland and Fremont. Uh, they've just closed a show. And, and then the Majestic. So the three of us have decided... Hey, you know, we we are actually we're not community theater. We all pay our actors. We all pay our staff. It's not living wage yet, but McDonald's isn't living wage yet. Just to say, you know, that 
but we're working towards that as a goal, eventually sustainability within the arts. You know, for example, Majestic for Clown Bar, we only have 40 seats. It's very, very intimate. And our ticket price to scale it, to make it a living wage, we, we'd be charging $150 a ticket. We're charging $35 a ticket because it needs to be affordable for local audiences. Eventually, our goal is to get to that. But we also, as the arts, as the soul of the community, we rely upon philanthropy and and that's the discussion I've had with a couple of other arts leaders that Vegas's culture of philanthropy really isn't as strong for the smaller arts organizations as it is for the larger. So there is a possibility it has. Ha- I mean, I've seen it in other cities. If you go to Chicago, if you go to you know New York, you can make a living doing multiple jobs within the arts. But you know, it's all aided. Uh, the organizations need assistance from the top. Sure. Sure. So how how can Las Vegans get involved in the local theater scene, whether they want to be actors or help with tech or be just immersed in it? Where do they go? Oh, God. See, that's something we're also struggling with is is what's the aggregator? Uh, there's a woman named Sarah O'Connell who has created a website called eatmoreartsvegas.com, I believe it is, or you can Google Eat More Art Vegas and find it. Uh, all the companies are listed on there. Uh, honestly, just Google Las Vegas Theater downtown. <laughs> if you do Las Vegas Theater, you're going to see the V Theater and, and the Saks Theater and all the on-strip theaters. But to find us, it's a little more digging. You can go to majesticrepertory.com. Uh, I think it's theater.vegas for Vegas Theater Company and uh, a publicfit.org for a public fits company. What are some maybe some entry points for people in Las Vegas uh, to get involved? Or they just show up and say, hey, I'm interested. What's up? Show up, show face. Come see a show. Uh, Ask for the director. Ask for a producer. Say, I'm interested in this. You you know, go to the website, send out a submission, go to go to an audition. Honestly, the best way is is just show up, just be there or follow, follow all our social channels. We all have Instagrams and TikToks and, and Facebook. And I wonder if that might just be still the quaint part of the Las Vegas thing, right? That we still are kind of accessible. I mean, I imagine that's probably not great advice uh, in New York City to just, you know, walk up to the director of the latest greatest, you know, walk up to Lin-Manuel and say, hey, (laughs) but, you know, here in Las Vegas, there is that degree of openness Mm -hmm. and accessibility. And I think that makes our community stand out from a lot of what some people might consider more well-established, but what I like to think of is more open. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've heard I've heard stories of, you know, someone running to someone in a New York bar and then that happens. And next thing you know, they've got a starring role. You know, going back to the very beginning, you know, when I started talking about the c- comparison of, of Atlanta to Vegas, Vegas does remind me I'm from a smaller town in Georgia. Vegas reminds me of that. You know, I thought it would be a two million person metropolis, but it's, you know, main our main street's main street. I mean, you once you once you've been down there, you know, you can run into people and just fall into a conversation. And there is a very strong sense of community and community pride here, for sure. And and openness, as you said. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. And I'm I'm no stranger to the main street of Main Street. And certainly <laughs> I've run into one Mr. Troy Hurd and we've had mm-hmm. a, a detour into some wonderful conversations. 
you know, we are the entertainment capital of the world by moniker and self-styled presentation to the universe here in Las Vegas. You mentioned a community in Atlanta that had regional theater. First off, what is regional theater? What does that mean, that expression? Regional theater is usually, it's the large theater company. They have union contracts across the board. So it's usually a large house, say a thousand seats or so, give or take. They're the ones that have, they're major organizations. Uh, It's uh, on on par with something the size of the Smith Center. The Smith Center, it you know, is not a producing house; they're a presenting house, which is a major difference. They don't produce the shows that come in there. A lot of people think, "Hey, Kinky Boots is there, and it's probably a local cast." It's not. It's a tour that's on a on a national leg. It's a leg on a national tour. Uh, so a regional theater is, you know, it establishes a, a local presence. It reflects the region and the populace and, and the diversity of that region. Now, I know a couple of shows have workshopped here in, mm-hmm. in the city uh, with aspirations to go to larger cities like New York or Chicago. A couple examples I'm thinking of, I remember there was one uh, that Teller from Penn & Teller mm-hmm. did, uh, and he launched that at one of the casinos and I think at Smith Center as well. Clint Holmes had a, a show mm-hmm. that he was putting together and and to bring to Broadway. Is, is that what regional theater can do as well, is foster those type of workshops with aspirations mm-hmm. for bigger audiences in 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 larger cities it does and the advantage to the theater to do that is the theater becomes an initial producer they have a stake in it so say you know majestic produces clown bar two so clown bar two we're producing it we're an original stakeholder it goes to broadway we we are a stakeholder in that, so we get residuals. And when it goes to regional theaters beyond that, we'll get residuals. And when it goes to community theaters and high schools, we get residuals. So there's an economic advantage to, for a regional theater to become a uh, launch pad. That method works on a lot of levels, and Las Vegas is starting to become a place. You know, it's it's kind of trickled, but I'm seeing more and more of it. I mean, Clown Bar 2 is... Clown Bar is a, a widely produced play, and every company that's going to do Clown Bar 2 from here on out, once it gets published, Majestic Repertory Theater Las Vegas, Nevada is going to be in the front cover. Oh, great. Great for you. And and there is so much talent in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable. People coming here, people raised here and, and you know, who, who came out of the school systems here. A mm-hmm. uh, lot of talent. Some move away, some stay. And when they stay, I think they do really good things. Why couldn't a well-established theater like one in New York or Chicago or LA, one of these big, big theater companies, just come and open up shop in Las Vegas? What would what would be the barriers to that really making things happen in Las Vegas? Well, a really well-established, if you're talking about a large theater company, they could if they had the resources, and most of them do. But it's people who come to Las Vegas thinking, oh, the red carpet's going to be laid out for us and everything's going to be handed to us. They're the ones who meet the resistance because, you know, as well as I do, David, each and every one of us here, we've, we're pioneers, literally, in the Wild West. And we've staked our claim and we've worked really hard to build what this place is. And Las Vegas, I'll admit it, in the arts, doesn't have the best reputation throughout the nation with other tastemakers. You know, a lot of them are still stuck in the idea that Las Vegas is this, it's tacky, it's tasteless, 
you know, it doesn't help that we're always at the bottom of the uh, education list, the, the rankings. But, you know, I think we've changed that. I mean, Meow Wolf is here. When, when, when Winston Fisher opened Area 15, that was really cool. But Meow Wolf coming in, that's a major thing. I mean, you don't see it in, Las, in, in, in L.A. or New York. You know, it came from Santa Fe. There is something going on here. There's a major shift. I saw it before the pandemic. My heart broke when we had to board up all the windows on Main Street. But I think we're back and we're about to see some really cool things come from this city. My dream is for this to not just be a national highlight, but we're, we're in the international conversation of the arts. Oh, absolutely. We're a tricky little city and, and hype is definitely an art form here that people can run afoul of. And sure, you know, I, I personally embrace the, 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 the tacky, but I think we elevate that to an art form as well. So I'm, I'm not as offended when people kind of criticize us for that, because on some level, there are some things where we can take tacky to the next level. Mm -hmm. Troy Hurd, you are the director, right, of Majestic Theater? Mm -hmm. Artistic and director. Artistic yep. director of uh, Majestic Theater, and you're doing such a great job. Thank you for coming to our community and sticking with it, and thanks for all that you contribute and for supporting all the other theater companies as well. I, I appreciate all the shout outs that you gave today. I, I love it here. Um, I look forward to talking with you about more productions as they come up. Absolutely. Thanks, David. CityCast producer Layla Muhammad visited the Majestic Repertory Theater to catch a rehearsal of Clown Bar 2. So let's listen in to a conversation between lead producer Sonia Cho Swanson and Layla about that. Hey, Layla. Hi, Sonia. Hey, I cannot wait to hear everything about the dress rehearsal. So tell me, just kind of put me in the space. Like, what did you see when you were walking in? So the Majestic Repertory Theater is a very, like, intimate venue. Uh, when you walk in, you come into this, like, red velvet-covered lobby, and you're surrounded by art and velvet. Like, who doesn't love being surrounded by velvet? Oh, seriously. I know. And then when you walk back, you go in through these saloon doors. Yes. Okay, um, come on with me. Okay, okay. And you enter the theater, and it's kind of like a casual bar type venue. Again, very intimate, very cozy. And there's tables everywhere. There's a bar, but the bar, I think, is just part of the performance part of the show part cool. of the stage kind of nice um and then there's a little stage it's very very cool venue very nice and colorful so one thing i'm kind of curious about is what exactly is meant by immersive theater like am i am i gonna walk in like it's a haunted house am i gonna get like pushed around and like scared like what does this mean immersive theater yeah, and that's something I was a little bit worried about, too, going <laughs> yeah. in. I heard, like, kind of horror stories from immersive theater, um, people being uncomfortable, secondhand embarrassment. But it was a lot more, like, friendly and welcoming okay. than I pictured. There's just stuff happening all around you. 
but you can stick to yourself if you like. You don't have to feel like you're a part of the show. But I really like it because stuff is happening all around you. So there was an actor like hiding behind my chair um, <laughs> and I could turn around and they were right there. And they were kind of all around you and there was stuff happening all over the space, all over the venue, cool. uh, which was really fun. Um, not too many, it didn't seem like too many people got touched or like kind of pulled into the action of uh -huh. the performance. Uh -huh. um, I don't want to give too much away, but sure, there was sure. like a dance portion. Um, a few audience members got danced on. I think the performers do a pretty good job of keeping the audience the audience, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, totally. Um, okay, so my last question for you, Layla. What was one thing that surprised you? Mm. Surprised me. So I think the there was like a 20-minute pre-show before the show when everyone was getting seated. When you walk in, you're seated by one of the performers. Mm -hmm. And as people are getting seated, there's like a whole show, a crooner who is singing and performing Um interacting with the clown that is seating you they're having back and forth there's no one like the two So that part was kind of like a whole show in itself. And that was 20 minutes before the actual show even started. Oh, and then cool. once the actual show started, because that crooner is already on stage performing, it was su such a seamless transition mm. into like, okay, pre-show and now the show's beginning. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really cool. I haven't, I mean, in traditional theater, you don't see a lot of that. You don't see too many... Um, like a dedicated pre-show where like they're truly performing. There's different songs. That sounds amazing. Well, mm -hmm. I cannot wait to go. Um, thank you so much for bringing us this little preview of Clown Bar 2, Layla. Yes, of course. I hope I hope a ton of people go. It's so entertaining. Be ready to laugh, grab a drink, grab a snack, and just be ready to have fun because it is such an entertaining show. I haven't smiled and laughed that much since like my pageant days oh. and like my cheeks hurt. <laughs> nice. And now for this week's curtain call on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson, and our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our host is me, David Figler. Music by OG Moose. This show is recorded on the traditional homelands of the Nuuvi, Southern Paiute peoples. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our amazing morning newsletter. We'll be back Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. 